You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in verse 11 this morning. Y'all, I'm just going to be honest with you. Have you guys ever just had that week where you just feel like life is just out to get you? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah? That was my week this past week. Um, last Friday, my son got his, uh, got his one-year-old vaccinations, and then Saturday, um, he woke up and he had a fever, and he has had a fever until, seriously, until like Friday. Um, and so, and then on top of that, I had eight papers due, and then on top of that, had responsibilities here. And so I am walking into this pulpit fully reliant upon the Spirit of God this morning, so, and coffee, and so... Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and be real with you. Um, I was back there like chugging a, a cup of coffee right before I walked up here. So I'm going to do something really different this morning. I'm going to ask if you are able to stand with us. Just Everybody just stand really quick. And I'm going to ask Daniel to uh, put uh, Matthew 6, 9 through 13 up on the screen this morning. And this is just what I want you to do. I just want you to close your eyes. I just want you to close your eyes. And this is literally what I want you to do. I want you to feel Jesus speaking these words to us. When his word is proclaimed, this is God himself speaking to us. And I want you to feel Jesus saying these words to you. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know about your experience with the Lord's Prayer, but in this area, for me, growing up, especially in the sports world that I grew up in, playing church league basketball and baseball and all these other sports that I played, the Lord's Prayer was like this ritual that like cultural Christians did. What we did was like we circled up, we all put our arms around one another, and we would get the most Christian kid to pray that prayer over us. And sometimes that was me, sometimes it wasn't me, depending on how I acted at practice. And so, but I remember reading that prayer or hearing that prayer and not letting it impact my heart. Not letting it change me, not letting it, like, not even realizing that that is Jesus speaking to us, teaching us, his disciples, how to pray. And so, essentially, what would happen is, is we would take this verse, and it would always be the King James Version, because that's what we memorized. And we would say, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, our kingdom come to you. And we just rattle this prayer off and not let it sink into our hearts, it was just a ritual. It was just something that we did just to get by, just to say, hey, well, we did it. But brothers and sisters, in Jesus' words this morning, this is Jesus speaking. He is teaching us how to pray. That is why this series is called Pray Like Jesus. We are trying to lead you to how to pray like Jesus. How awesome is that? How incredible is that? That the one who literally holds the universe in his power is teaching us how to pray. 
is teaching us how to communicate with God. It's is literally inviting us into this intimate relationship with God. So I really just want you to get your hearts ready. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get into the Word. Father, right now we just come to you just fully reliant upon you. God, so many times this prayer does not seep into our hearts. We have it in our homes. We see it all over the place. God, don't let, this ver- don't let this passage just merely become a verse that ends up on a coffee cup. God, let this verse just seep into our hearts. Let us realize that it, when we pray like your son has taught us how to pray, you are inviting us into an intimate, deep relationship with you. You are inviting us to rely not upon our own power, but upon, on, on upon you. God, I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. The main point I want to communicate to you this morning is relying on Jesus to meet our daily needs leads to more of him. Relying on Jesus to meet our daily needs leads to more of him. This prayer is absolutely dangerous. It is dangerous to man. It is dangerous to our own will. It is dangerous to our plans because as Thomas taught last week, it is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are literally asking the Lord of the universe to invade our lives. That is dangerous to every plan we've ever made. That is dangerous to every plan that we have ever made but this next verse verse 11 which is going to be the verse that i'm going to be focusing on this morning it says this give us this day our daily bread give us this day our daily bread now this verse right here is contrary to the world's religion it's contrary to the what the world teaches us and what is the world's religion this consumerism that drives us towards materialism this consumerism of feed me more, give me more, give me the newest phone, give me the newest gadget, give me the newest car, give me the biggest house, and give me, give me, give me, give me. And then that leads to this materialism that's these are all my things. I rely on money. I rely on these things so that I can be the one who provides for my needs. If we're not careful, we can turn into the provider of our own selves. And that is a dangerous place to be, brothers and sisters. In Western culture, how do we refer to the person who brings home the wages? The breadwinner, right? They're the breadwinner. The kids today, one of the things that they say uh, for when you're going to get that money is, let's get this bread. Bread is a symbol of our needs. Not just in the scriptures, but even in our modern culture. Now, not only that, bread is all over the scriptures. It's seen as a main staple of the diet. Bread was a huge part of the Jewish diet. They were carb loaders. They were people who just loaded up on bread. So if you want to load up on carbs, be Jewish. Listen to what happened in Exodus. You may be familiar with this story. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion. Every day that I may test them whether they walk in my law or not. 
Later on, Moses writes, And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. Continuing on, Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like a seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Bread can be seen, brothers and sisters, as meeting our daily needs. Just as God provided for the Israelites, He is inviting us to call out to Him to provide for our daily needs. He is calling us to rely upon Him. And that is just absolutely mind-blowing to me. Because just think about it. When do most of the time we go to God when somebody's sick or when we have a big problem going on in our lives? When was the last time that you just called out to the Lord and said, God, provide for me today what I need? In that little, minute, tiny detail, when was the last time that you called out to the Lord and said, God, give us this day our daily bread? Just give me what I need. It is mind-blowing to me that God is that invested in us. That God is that invested in us. So much so that He wants to provide for our daily needs. Just our bread. So Jesus is teaching us to pray by calling out for radical reliance upon God for our daily needs so that we can grow deeper in our relationship with Him. When we call out to God and rely upon Him for our daily needs, He is telling us, brothers and sisters, that I will provide for you, and by relying on Him for providing for us, we can grow deeper in our relationship with Him and in Him. So the first thing, by praying, give us this day our daily bread. We are confessing that God is the giver of all things, all good things, all perfect things, even life itself. This is what James 1.17 says. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. I remember when my son was born back in last December, and my wife and I, we still, I mean, it may just make it a little bit emotional with you. It just still blows my mind when I look at this little man that's just running around the house, like, tearing books off the shelf, and he's just an agent of chaos right now. I look at this little man, and he smiles, and he's so happy, and I'm like, God, you, like, you knit that baby together inside my wife's womb. I didn't do any of that. God was in control of all of that. And I remember when he was born, and I remember this verse coming to mind, literally this verse, that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And I'm holding my son, and I'm like, God, this is yours. This is your gift. This is from you. You blessed us with this. I can't tell you the last time that I was walking through Walmart and I grabbed a loaf of bread and was like, God, you blessed me with this. God, you have given me this. Y'all, God is the one who has given us all of our gifts. Every good gift, every perfect gift, everything from above has come down from the Father of lights. He's a provider of everything. So listen, every drink of water that you sip, every sip of coffee that you drink, every sandwich that you eat, That favorite meal that you eat, that steak that you love to eat, God is the provider of that. Do you realize that, like, literally, like, when we are, it it should just blow our minds. 
that when we are eating steak, that God in his, just in his sovereignty and in his providential power created an animal that tastes that great. And that should lead us to worship. That should lead us to worship. And not only that, it should lead us to contentment in him. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, for whatever we drink, for whatever we drink, whatever we do, let it be for the glory of God. Let it be for the glory of God. Let it be an act of worship. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He goes on to say later on in the passage, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, listen, this is so beautiful. When we rely upon Jesus and realize that he's the source of every good and every perfect gift and every blessing that we have received, down to the meals that we eat, down to the cars that we drive, down to the money that we bring in, it is all due to the worship of Jesus. And it should drive us back to worship Jesus. The problem is, and in our modern consumeristic culture, Even us as Christians can fall into this thing of where we are the ones who bring home those good gifts. We are the ones who provide those things. We are the ones who supply every need of ours according to my riches. That is so easily what we can fall into. And we see this even creeping into the church through the prosperity gospel. And there is nothing saving about that gospel. That is not good news. That God has came to bless us just so that he can bless us. No, he has blessed us in Christ Jesus and Jesus is enough and he will provide for your every need. And brothers and sisters, that is enough. When we say give us this day our daily bread, we are acknowledging that God is the giver of all things and we should praise him for it. We should praise him for it. Secondly, By praying, give us this day our daily bread, we are asking God for only what we need on a day-to-day basis. Our reliance on God as a sustainer is a day-to-day relationship. Now, if I was to go to your home and I was to say, hey, let me see your pantry, many of us in this room, not all of us, many of us in this room probably more than likely have things inside our pantry, probably things we should get, get rid of and clean out because it's been a while since we cleaned out our pantries. If you were to come to my house, you would open up our cabinet and you would look in there and you would see my PB&J that I love and you would see my bread. And here's the thing, like, I went to Walmart and I got that bread. I was the one who walked in the grocery store and y'all, I'm just going to be real with you, like, I need an apartment at Walmart at this point. Like, I'm there so much. I practically lived there. Like, the, like, like the other day, like, some, like, I was telling Ron, it kind of made me laugh. I walked in and the woman looked at me and she said, Baby, you've lost some weight. Like, I'm in there enough that the woman recognized that I had lost some weight. And I was like, thank you. I've been trying. But see, here's the thing. In that, 
if we're not careful, as I just mentioned, we will believe that we are the providers of this daily bread and the relationship that we have will be a relationship with this God that is called self. If you want to talk about the number one God inside our country, it is this God of self. You have been lied to. You have been led to believe that you are this absolute, free, autonomous human being. Everybody's a slave to something. Everyone is a slave to something. You are not an absolute, free human being. You are not autonomous. And when you realize that, you will realize that God is calling you to the one who is autonomous, and that's himself. He's calling us to this daily relationship where we dwell in him and pray to him and get to know him more intimately as he provides for us day to day. Literally, Jesus tells us in Luke 9 to take up our cross daily and follow me. He doesn't say take up your cross twice a week when you're sitting inside a chair for two hours. He is calling you to daily take up your cross and follow him. This is a daily relationship. Notice that the prayer isn't when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. He is not saying, give us this day our weekly bread. Give us this day our monthly bread, our yearly bread, or whatever it is. He is saying our daily bread. Calling out to God as the provider in this daily relationship. And in doing this, when you pray this prayer, brothers and sisters, when you call out to the Lord, when you see God as the sustainer of your life, as the one who is holding all things together in your life, you will inevitably grow deeper and deeper and deeper in Him. And more reliance upon Him. And realizing that you are not the one who holds this thing together. And that's good. That's so good. This is what Colossians 1, 16-17 says. For by Him all things were created. In heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities... All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. This is the one whom we are in relationship with. If you do not believe that Jesus is enough to provide for your daily needs. This verse blows that up right in your face. This is telling us that the one whom we worship, the one who gave his life for us on the cross, the one whom we trust in, the one whom is the provider of our souls, is holding all things together because all things were created through him and for him. He is the glue of the universe. As one theologian says, that there is not one square inch of the universe that Jesus does not declare mine. That is is good for us because he is desiring to know us intimately that i just that listen y'all i'm just it makes me speechless within the past few months i've been telling my students like god has just been spiritually just wrecking me because what i realized was a lot of these theologians that i love to read they had these big ideas about god and i love the idea of a big god 
due to just, I love, the, I love the idea that God is in control of all things, just due to my own personal story, and just due to the scriptures. When you read the scriptures, you see a God who is in control of all things. And I love that. But what's even more beautiful is that we have a Jesus who is in control of all things, who has now inserted himself into our daily lives, into relationship with him. And what I noticed was a lot of theologians I was reading, they they weren't speaking about relationship. They talked about, you know, God being sovereign and in control, but they didn't talk about, you know, dwelling in Christ and being unified in Christ. And y'all, it it, it just, I, I tell everybody, it's been like the spiritual wreckage for me. Like I'm having to pick up the pieces and, and re-put them back together and realize that God is calling us and calling me specifically into this daily relationship where I am relying on Him for everything so that I can grow deeper in Him. Let me give you this illustration. R.C. Sproul, who's one of my favorite pastors, he died within the past few years. Wonderful man of God, wonderful pastor, wonderful preacher, wonderful teacher. Um, in teaching on this passage, he used this illustration and I loved it. So what happened was in the Korean War, South Korea was absolutely just dismantled and destroyed. Um, There was an orphan crisis that the world had never seen. There was orphans all over the country. And when these humanitarian aid workers came in, what they did was, um, was they came in and they started working with these kids and trying to help them. But they noticed these kids were always so anxious They were always so skittish. They were always so scared. They were always so terrified. And what they realized was was that the kids were hungry. They hadn't eaten, and some of them in weeks. You know, they're like those pictures we see of where they're down to the skin and bone. And what they realized even further was that the reason why they were so anxious is because they didn't know when they were going to eat. They didn't know when they were going to get their next meal. And so what these humanitarian workers did, where they took a loaf of bread and they cut it. And they gave each of those orphans a piece of bread to sleep with at night. They just gave that that, that child a a piece of bread just to put in their hands to hold to sleep with that night. Y'all, how beautiful is that picture that literally these humanitarian aid workers are saying, listen, you are going to eat here. Here's a piece of bread. Find comfort in this piece of bread. When was the last time? I mean, like, all of us in this room are closed, as far as I can see. We have a roof over our heads. You got here somehow this morning. God has given us all of these things to remind remind us of his daily sustaining providential power over us. And he is inviting us into this intimate Deep relationship with him. But so many of us, we, 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 we're not holding on to that piece of bread and we're still worried about the next thing that's coming. We're still worried about that bill that hasn't been paid. We're still worried about that thing that we don't even need. When we pray and we realize that Jesus is our all provider, we are realizing that, man, this bread that he's given us, it's enough Because my relationship with him is enough. Because he is enough. Thirdly, by praying, give us this daily bread. We are asking God to satisfy our earthly needs. 
food, clothing, and shelter, nothing more, nothing less. But, all right, keyword but, more of him. In a culture where we are craving more as the days pass by, in a culture that is telling us, hey, listen, you need this thing. I mean, literally, you cannot watch an ESPN or a television show without seeing somebody walk out to a new Mercedes. Or see somebody walk out to this huge meal at Outback. You can't see somebody walk out and, and, and this, this thing that they don't necessarily need. In a culture that is screaming for more and calling you out to worship that religion. How crazy would it be? I mean, just follow me here. This would be insane. If you prayed this prayer and actually lived it out. How radical would that be? Do you realize that Christians should not should be like the less anxious people on the planet? Should be like the, like the most non-anxious people on the planet? Now, I'm not discrediting like anxiety disorders and all those things. But so many times, and I heard a student say this, and she said this a, 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 like about two years ago. That fear is natural, but anxiety is when we're relying upon our own strength to take care of our own problems. And man, that wrecked me. I heard a student say that back here on a Wednesday night. That wrecked me because what I realized was, was that I was trying to rely upon my own power to take care of these things. When God has promised us that he will take care of all that we need. Not more than we need, but all that we need. He will take care of us. He will provide for us. He cares for his children. We should pray this. Listen, just take this verse, write it down. Proverbs 38, 30 verse 8. I said 38, 30 verse 8. Write this down and make this just a breath prayer. As we talked about just if, if the last Christmas series. Just take this verse, write it down on your mirror, put it somewhere. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. If we Christians prayed that prayer, our anxiety levels would drop. Because we are literally saying, God, don't, don't give me more than I need. Don't give me less than I need. Give me what I need. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. That is enough because you are enough. This is what Jesus says later on in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. This is verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What will you eat? What will you drink? Nor about your body. What will you put on? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Just imagine Jesus looking you in the eyes and saying that to you. Is not life more than food? Tyler, is not life more than clothing? Is not life more than this? He continues on. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Goodness gracious. That's like a spiritual kick to the face. Because when we get so reliant upon our own power and we get so wrapped up and anxious about our life, God is literally holding all things together around us. Why in the world would he not be holding you together? How arrogant of me. How arrogant of you. How arrogant of us to think that God would not hold us together. 
and to think that our problems are not big enough to go to him. You go to him daily with every problem you have and you pray, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this daily relationship so that we can grow deeper in you because you are going to provide for our needs. Life is more than this. He continues on, he says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Being anxious ain't, ain't helping nobody. When you're worried, when you're stressed out, it is not adding an hour to your life. In fact, it's ad- taking hours away from your life. When you're thinking that you're in control. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither tool nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Literally, he tells us in verse 31. And going on to verse 32. That when we worry, he says, do not be anxious about these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them all. And in verse 33, he says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added to you. He's telling us when we seek that relationship, when we are the seekers, when we're the ones who are praying, give us this day our daily bread. And we mean that from our hearts. When we are saying, God, don't give me less than I need. Don't give me more than I need. Give me just enough. You are, he's literally saying. When you seek that relationship with me, when you grow deeper in me, when you rely upon Jesus as the hero of this life, all things will be provided for you. Why are you anxious? Why are you worried? According to the World Health Organization, this is crazy to me, one in five people in the USA now suffer with an anxiety disorder. One in five people. And that number's growing, brothers and sisters, and teenagers especially. I see it all the time. I see these students who are constantly worried about the state of their social media following or their popularity, and they're constantly comparing their behind-the-scenes reel to everybody else's highlight reel on social media, and they're like, oh, they look like they have it all together, but I'm just this torn-up mess. And it just, this anxiety is just growing within us. And our culture is predicated on this, and they are feeding this anxious monster, and it's going to keep growing and growing. Look at the media. I mean, seriously, look at the media. Look at the news. The people who are the most afraid are probably the people who are so immersed in the news. I don't know how people watch a 24-hour news cycle. It just makes you more anxious. It makes you more worried about the things going on around you. It makes you not trust in the Lord. It makes you trust in things like the government or even your own power or your money or all these things. What if we as 12th Street Baptist Church looked at this, this anxiousness that's on the rise and said, you know what? I'm just going to be still and know that he is God. And know that he is in control. 
and know that he's going to provide for my daily needs because I'm in a daily relationship with him. And watch the church grow. The problem is, is that the church does not reflect this. But what if we started a movement? What if we just said, I'm going to be still. I'm going to slow down my life. I'm going to rely on the Lord to meet my daily needs. Because I love Jesus and Jesus is enough for me. What if we did this? And what you'd notice is that all the people that are hurrying around around you, trying to rush over here, trying to get over here, and trying to make all these things happen, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. And in fact, you probably, we really are because we are relying upon a God that is holding all these things together and we are crazy about Him. What if? What if? I know how it feels to be anxious. I remember right after my son was born, I mentioned earlier, you know, looking at him and realizing he's this good and perfect gift. Right after he was born, uh, my wife, you know, the reason we had to give birth early because her blood pressure was going through the roof. And right after he was born, like just, I mean, I think it was like Christmas Eve, her blood pressure just kept climbing, kept climbing, kept climbing, kept climbing. And we had to go to the hospital again. I remember seeing my wife, you know, laying there in this bed and I'm sitting there going like, gosh, God, I really cannot take care of this kid. <laughs> like, God, I just, just praying, God, you know, just, just get her through. And he did. And I remember we had to stop at a family Christmas. It was family Christmas night. We had to stop at a family Christmas. And I just remember just walking to the room and my chest just feeling like there's this weight sitting on it. Like, just tight and just feeling this weight that is just sitting on my chest. And I remember getting home that night and I remember just pulling into the driveway and I remember I just could not breathe. Like, I mean, I was just, I was hyperventilating. And I remember calling my mom and I thought, Mom, I don't know what in the world's going on. I have no clue what's going on. I need help. I told my wife, I was like, babe, I, I need help. And what I realized was I was having an anxiety attack. Because in that moment, my wife was sick. I couldn't help her. I had this helpless newborn that... Seriously, you get more instructions on like the DVD player that you buy at Walmart than you do carrying a kid home. And I'm sitting there looking at this kid and I'm going, I don't know how to do this. I did not even know how to change a diaper, y'all. How do you tube it? Real talk, I really did. And I just remember feeling this. And I just remember my wife and my mom just pointing me to Jesus. Pointing me to Jesus. And there's this picture on Facebook, and I meant to get it this morning. It's, it's a picture of Brooks. He's asleep beside me, and my hair's all crazy, and I took this picture beside him. And just in that moment, I just realized that, you know what? God's got this little boy. God has my wife. The one who is holding all things together, he knows what's going on. And that peace that I, that I felt, that I feel even to this day, Knowing that God is in control. There's no need to be anxious. Because God is calling us to something deeper in Jesus Christ. He's calling us to this deeper relationship. That is not just believe in him so that you go to heaven. And so that you can get out of hell. But no, he is calling us to a deeper relationship. Of daily reliance upon him. So that we can grow intimately deeper in him. I'm going to read that verse in Philippians again. Paul says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. 
I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in every in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Jesus is enough and he will provide for us and he is inviting us to this intimate deep relationship with him so that we can just stand there be still know that he is God and rely upon him rely upon him to meet our daily needs lastly by praying for God to give us our daily bread we grow deeper not just with but in our relationship with Jesus Christ now you may notice I said not just with, but in. This is one thing that's been just racking my brain over the past few months. We have been taught so many times that you can have this relationship with Jesus, right? You can have this relationship with Jesus, and you can. But not only when we trust in Jesus for our salvation, Jesus is now unified with us. We are in Christ Jesus. We are in Christ Jesus. It's this marriage, brothers and sisters. We are unified in Christ. That means that we we grow deeper in this. Paul literally says in Ephesians 5 that the mystery of marriage is Christ in his church. We are in relationship with Him. He is inviting us into this relationship with Him. And He is inviting you today. He is inviting you today. Philippians 4.19 And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 6. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He goes on later on in the passage and says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes this has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So, I'm not trying to allegorize this passage. This, when, Jesus, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are simply saying, God, provide for our daily needs. But your greatest need on this planet is Jesus Christ. That is your greatest need. And when we get so wrapped up in the things in this world, when we get so wrapped up in things that don't matter, We have this bread of life that is Jesus Christ. And he will satisfy our needs. Because he is enough. He is more than enough. This bread that he has given us was his body. That he gave up willingly for us on the cross. 
that he sacrificially laid down his life for us so that we could experience life in the fullness. That life in the fullness is a life that is in him, that is with him. It is not just this life that what we prayed a prayer and we did this thing or we go to church and we read our Bible every now and then. No, it is deeper than that, brothers and sisters. He is inviting us into this intimate relationship because he accomplished the work for us on the cross. We are broken. We cannot provide for ourselves. Especially the thing that matters most, and that's salvation. We cannot provide for ourselves. Sure, you can go into Walmart and you can get the things that you need. Sure, you can buy the car. But Jesus is the one who satisfies our most earthly need, which is salvation. We need to be saved from this sinful condition that we are in. Listen to the language. I mean, just, just this, this intimate moment. Just imagine that you're sitting in this room that's just this, this, this intimate room around a table. And Jesus is speaking this to you. And he took bread. And when he had given things, he broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, This cup is, that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. I was talking to Thomas, we we were on our way to a meeting the other day, and I did the math the other day. Do we realize that if we take communion once a quarter, like just once a quarter, now this is like the tradition in most Baptist churches, you will only take communion 40 times in a decade. That's it, 40 times in a decade. The most intimate moment, I mean, one of the most intimate moments in all of Scripture is this institution of the Lord's Supper where Jesus is sitting here saying, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We neglect it. Brothers and sisters, when we take that communion, we are reminding of ourselves, the believers in this room, that we are not our own. That Jesus has bought us with a price, and that was by his body and by his blood on the cross. So when we say give us this day our daily bread, it should drive us into a deeper relationship with him. It should drive us to realize that he is the bread of life. Have you partaken of that bread of life this morning, brothers and sisters? Have you relied upon God for your salvation? Have you trusted in him, the one who accomplished the work for you? Have you trusted in him fully? And if you have, Have you committed to pray this prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. So that's what we're going to do. I just want to just, before we move into the time of response, I just want to just kind of have just some some silence in this room. I just want everybody to just close their eyes. And you can pray aloud. Your Baptist friends may look weird at you, but I'm not going to. You can pray aloud. You can pray silently in your seats. Just pray, God, give us this day our daily bread. Thank Him for Him providing for us. Some of you, this may be one of the first times you've ever prayed. Thank God for His saving work and rely upon Jesus and His salvation.
Father, we come to you right now. As Troll Street Baptist Church, just as the believers gathered in this room this morning. Father, help us to see that you are enough. You are enough in Jesus Christ and through your spirit that dwells in us. Father, we repent of the times that we relied upon our own power. We repent of the times that we relied upon our own strength. We relied that we got anxious because we weren't in control. Father, forgive us of the times that we have fallen so short of you. But God, you've called us to something deeper. You've called us into an intimate relationship with you where you are daily providing for us. Help us to see those moments this week. Help us to see those moments for the rest of our lives where you are, your fingerprints are all over it because you are the one who is intimately, intricately involved in just the happenings of our life. Father, we love you so much for that. Father, draw the sinner near to you this morning, the one who needs to trust in you as their salvation, the one who needs to come to the bread of life, Jesus Christ this morning. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helped you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to be a place where we can find forgiveness for the past and hope for the future.